welcome to Gaming Broadcast. I'm your host, Jamie Dale, the main broad over at GamingBroadly.com, and welcome to the next episode of Gaming Broadcast, a podcast about gaming, broadly speaking. Today, we're joined by guest Jeremy Moran. Jeremy Moran is a filmmaker, actor, and comedian who is very active in the Austin improv community. Additionally, he doesn't like playing games, but considers them to be a piece of art. So hi, Jeremy. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up? How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I'm ready to talk about my hatred of video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah. ask you the the most important question of sure. this podcast, which is, is, what's your deal with games? I... My thing with games is I I actually don't hate games. I I am just bad at every game. I'm I'm terrible at card games, I'm terrible at video games, I'm terrible at board games. The only game like I'm I play solitaire and I lose. I <laughs> I am just bad at most games. Um, I, you know, usually what happens, like, if it's a board game, um, you have to, like, um, explain the rules, like, a bunch of times to me. Because I just get bored. I don't really enjoy the rule part of games. And that's... That's kind of, that's kind of a thing with video games too is like you got to figure out what the buttons are, you got to figure out like how to move and I just it's the rules. I think that's that's what's going on is just I I dislike rules and I get bored when the rules are being explained, especially because <laughs> a lot of games have like complicated rules like this this board game called Munchkin, I remember, has like very complicated rules, and that that was a game that that's a game for sure. And I feel bad talking about that game because I know it's like a local Austin game. Um, Is it? I think so. But I oh. I remember that game. I was uh, trying. I was with some friends and we were playing it and I got, um, I don't know, I just got bored like reading the rules and I've fallen asleep playing board games, um, especially- Like in the middle of it? Yeah. Like especially- Like were you like mid-move, like your hand was on your piece and you're just like- Yeah, it was usually waiting for my turn- but I, I just like, so I think, I think that's my deal with games is like, and that's also probably why I enjoy the game Grand Theft Auto or games, the sandbox game where you can mm. like just explore a world and just kind of do whatever you want. I know like Grand Theft Auto, you're supposed to do like missions, but I, I just wanted to shoot people and crash cars. <laughs> it was a good way to to like get rid of anger and horror that was in my soul. 
I mean, I'd rather you do that in Grand Theft Auto than in like the streets of the life. <laughs> the yeah, streets of Boston. I'm not. A I, I do have a clarifying question, though. Yes. When you say that you're terrible at video games, what do you mean by terrible? I'm just. I've just never been good at a game, um, and it's because of the rule thing. So I remember like playing Bioshock. And a character was taught. It was actually the climax of Bioshock. And a character was talking to me. I think it was like the whoever. Spoiler alert for Bioshock. I actually, I don't remember what happened. But it was like someone was giving the monologue that was tying the entire game together. Like the final. Have you played Bioshock? I, I have. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember at the end, it's like the monologue that ties everything together. And I remember not knowing what direction to look in. So, like, I didn't know <laughs> where the guy was who was trying to talk to me. And, like, <laughs> I... <laughs> um, or, like, fighting, fighting games. Um I know you're supposed to like use strategy or whatever, but I'm bad at strategy, and so I would just button mash. Um, card game. It's. I really think it's all just coming back to rules. Is like I get bored with with rules. The rules of the game, you may say, which is a movie. So. Was it a Was it a good movie? You know, I'm going to admit it, that's one of it's a classic film by Jean Renoir that I have yet to see and I <laughs> as a film as a film student and a filmmaker that's actually a bad bad thing. So, you should maybe edit that part out. No, you can leave it in. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> This is a podcast about being vulnerable. Yes. I mean, so far in previous episodes, we've had people admit to crying in closets, crying in work bathrooms, right. child abuse. Just yeah. To be fair, like receiving child abuse, not the reverse. That would not be that would not be a fun topic. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. my gaming thing. No. So it's cool. We will keep your we will keep your shame and we will honor. Okay. Honor your imperfections. Sounds good. Have you growing up? Did you? play any video games or were you around people who played video games i actually i grew up playing video games from the time i was five to the time i was maybe nine i had i had a super nintendo and i would play super mario brothers is that the one for the nintendo or super mario world is that it Whatever the one for the Nintendo was, and I, I would, I do remember playing Super Mario World, enjoying it. I had, I actually, you know what? I may actually not be a great guest for this podcast because the more I think about it, I did grow up <laughs> playing video games. I, but again, it was just like a. 
way too I don't I just like stopped playing games completely when I was like nine or ten I think that's amazing like that you remember specifically kind of the one I don't remember being nine yeah so the fact that you remember not only being nine but remembering I not doing it <laughs> I remember my grandparents had a n64 and I'd play like goldeneye or Star Fox or whatever the Mario one was for the 64. Um, yeah. I was into Mario games. I remember I had a Game Boy. I I just remember, like, I really enjoyed video games, um, but I also remember not beating any game and feeling kind of shame about that. And it's it kind of feels like how I feel now where I like start a book and don't finish it or start a TV series and don't finish it. Like I would either get bored of like a video game and not try to beat it or I would, or I would just die and give up, you know, like there was usually like one boss that like I, I just couldn't beat. And so I just got frustrated and would just stop, you know, yeah, so part of the definition, I'm adding to it, but is part of the definition of not being good at video games or being terrible at video games that not only do you get bored of trying to memorize the rules and buttons, yeah. but also that you don't have the drive to complete them or overcome some of the like purposeful obstacles yes. that games... I think that's it. I think that's why... I think I just enjoy exploring worlds i'm not really into narrative maybe i don't don't know i don't know i just kind of enjoy exploring different worlds and not getting too bogged down in like strategy or are there any are there any video games that you remember being i know you've mentioned grand theft auto being a thing that you're interested in are there any other video games that you are intrigued by that you you have curiosity about or want to play? Before I answer that, I have another video game um, that I think was kind of essential to me, which was it was a Simpsons game and it was called Bart's Nightmare, and that that was definitely like an exploration game. Like I I remember there being bosses. But I I remember it was just you were in Bart Simpson's head and you were like traversing his nightmare. I don't know why I just brought that up, but I don't know. It oh wow. Seemed kind of Was that like the nineties? Yeah, it was it was early nineties. It was there were a series of Simpsons games and there was a Simpsons arcade game that was I believe was kind of a like landmark in a video in like arcade games that's so surrealist i i tell you there's so many things that i hear about happening in the 90s that yeah i'm like this is why this is why i'm the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) like the cartoons were really peculiar and like i guess now that i'm thinking about it some of the games were pretty peculiar i know lisa was describing some of the barbie games from the 90s which when i look at the advertisements for i'm like that's terrifying yeah (laughs) why was this 
Well, the uh, '90s to me, I I've always thought the '90s for like children's cartoons and like children's things were were interesting because I feel like it was it was kind of baby boomer type people who um like during the 80s cartoons became like very corporatized so there were a lot of a lot of cartoons based on toys and just or movies and generally it was not like a very creative time but then something happened around like 88 or 89 oh you know what it was um it was uh like a mighty mouse cartoon that Ralph Bakshi and John Kay, who created Ren and Stimpy, John Kay. Uh, oh. Yeah, they they made this Mighty Mouse cartoon that I don't believe was very successful, but it employ. I I'm kind of I'm not getting my history right, but I believe it like employed a bunch of like cartoonists who then went on to do cool things so like john and then like around that time nickelodeon was starting so you got stuff like ren and stimpy and doug and cart i was like i was way more into cartoons growing up than i was into video games like i was a fiend for cartoons and still am i mean animation is incredibly i mean it's one of my favorite things in the world i I get way more emotionally invested in animation cartoons anime i'm i'm into it what's funny is i i remember the cartoons and the animations from the 90s also the narrative was not there were some that had linear narratives but for the most part cartoons were still in that kind of mini plot things you know what i'm talking about like each one could kind of stand alone. Oh and yeah, for sure. They only loosely held together as You're a realistic correct. story. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm thinking Rin and Stimpy. I mean there was the overarching thing of like taking over the world. And I I think there might have been Oh, like some Pinky sort of in the Brain. Thread. Yeah, cuz yeah. Pinky in oh, the Brain. Oh wait, br- sorry. You're right. Ooh, oh gosh. <laughs> no, I didn't. I got that so wrong. <laughs> oh, no, what is Rin good. and Stimpy? Rin and Stimpy is the it's honestly not even a chill. Like the fact that it was being sold to children is insane. Cause it- oh, Ren and Stimpy was that gross one. Yeah, it was super gross. Yeah, I lo- okay. I love it, but I I rewatch it and I'm just this was being sold to children. Like, not that I'm like well, the- a prude about cartoon violence, but just like they're nightmare inducing. <laughs> I mean, you literally were playing in the nightmare of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But your love of animation is reminding me of, and I'm cheating because I've I've talked to you before this moment. Yeah, but I know you've you've found and you've seen advertisements for Cuphead, which is a video game that's coming out soon that you're intrigued by. That's true. Cuphead. Tell me more. Yeah, so I'm very into like Looney Tunes and like Max Fleischer cartoons and Cuphead seems to be in that style. So 
I've always I've always loved that style of animation, the Max Fleischer thing, where it's kind of like like weirdly eerie. Like, have you have you seen any of that stuff? Like the Betty Boop and like Popeye mm-hmm. and Coco the Clown. Oh, Popeye! Yes, yeah. I, I really loved Popeye. I love growing Popeye. up. Kind of this absurdist. I hate using the word surrealist because I feel like that word can mean anything that doesn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) But it kind of has that disjointed from the laws of uh, gravity or nature or reality. Yeah. There's a Betty Boop cartoon that's like legitimately scary, which is, uh, it's where it's Cab Calloway doing Minnie the Moocher in this Betty Boop cartoon. And he's, I believe he's a, I haven't seen this in a long time, but I think he's like a skeleton or something. And it's, it's scary or the skeleton dance by Disney. Sorry, I'm turning Mm. your podcast into cartoons, but (laughs) like, I mean, video games are kind of a, yeah, they're animations, but I, I'm, I'm thinking about all of the, the previews I've seen for Cuphead and I'm right I'm envisioning them as also being very there's like that disjointed slowness I guess actually you're much better at at describing the visualizations could you describe the visuals the aesthetics of Cuphead for yeah maybe so seen it? I feel like it's triggering something in my mind but it's basically um it's kind of eerie the way the characters are moving because it's i i would say like in the max fleischer cartoons like it's um like for very smooth animation you you take more uh you take more photos of the of the drawings you just make more drawings but with max fleischer the stuff or Fleischer brothers because there were two of them they kind of slowed it down a bit and it kind of gave it this like eerie kind of quality and also there was kind of an air of random things coming to life I assume I believe Cuphead is a cup right with a head I don't know if it's a like a body with a cup for a head I think yeah I think the head is a cup. Right. But yeah, just like objects coming to life and and I have a fear of objects coming to life. That's why stop motion, <laughs> yeah. stop motion animation kind of freaks me out sometimes. Yeah, I mean, which is funny because you you've made some stop motion. I mean, they were uh they were stop motion clay claymation. Yes, clay motion. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure of the official term for that. Yeah, I think it's claymation. Yeah, it's claymation. Right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I. That's what I thought. I mean, you. I'm. I'm really intrigued by the fact that you're really interested in kind of exploring. I'm. I'm speaking for you, so feel free to be like, "Damn it, Jamie." Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> you don't know me at all. Yeah. But you. You really enjoy exploring some of the darker aspects of the human psyche, which sounds very aloof and, and art school, (laughs) but (laughs) no, it's true. It's very true. And and so I kind of wonder, I know you've described video games as a piece of art. Is it that, is it that aspect of exploring 
the uglier I'm going to say the uglier but like the darker parts of of humanity is that what makes it a piece of art I guess how are you defining video games as art oh (laughs) well the definition of art to me is just everything in the world (laughs) like (laughs) like we live in art that's kind of my my definition of art is like every everything you're looking at Man, I sound high or whatever, but <laughs> no, but like everything you're looking at, like I'm looking at a door right now. That door was intentionally made, you know, like it was made to look that way. It's it's a white door. It was painted that way. I could paint the door a different color and then I'm like contributing to the art that is that door. Like furniture can be art. This apartment I live in is art. Um, so yeah, video games are art too. <laughs> but as far as what I mean is the the intentions behind video games is art. You know, like just the way that it looks the aesthetics you know the gameplay like it's all very intentional and somebody is designing it to look that way that's that's what i mean and there's a game called machinarium that was kind of a mind blower for me it came out like maybe five years ago and it's it's just like a beautiful looking game it's like it's kind of steampunk um it has a great like musical score and when i saw that game um of course i i like didn't play it i just watched a friend play it um which i'm usually never into but this game was just like so beautiful to look at that i just i it that game was kind of like a signal to me that games can be more than like you know button mashers or whatever <laughs> i don't have you played that i haven't but now i'm i'm immediately when i link to it in the the show notes of this episode i will, I will oh, check yeah. it out and play it i've definitely heard of it i feel like kyle great my other regular cast members it, it ha- it, yeah that's a game like it showed me how games could have like good music like a great score like a great movie um yeah so are, yeah. are you intrigued i guess for art it seems like a lot of the things you're describing involve people creating something with intention oh yeah and for sure is that the that's it so it's like everything that was created with an intent which sounds very vague but we're gonna go with it sure yeah it's gonna be our working which i'm back to i think this is funny because you you do improv which is oftentimes I mean, everything is with intention and improv, but there's also this air of not being designed. Yes, that's true. So it's this funny contrast between you enjoying kind of the intentionality, the aesthetic, the overall experience of, of certain video games, of certain pieces, in comparison to the the somewhat chaotic nature of, of improv, which is, I know, a pastime that you're quite 
quite active in here in Austin. Yeah, improv. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Whatever you have to say is (laughs) (laughs) way more interesting. It's more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I was just gonna say that I think improv is hitting my need to explore. One of the first things that you learn with improv is like there are rules, but you're meant to break the rules and be mischievous. And you are well, it's like poetry, right? Yeah, you're rewarded for breaking rules, and in fact, if you're, you know, in a show or whatever, um, and you don't like take risks, you're they'll like yell at you for like not for following <laughs> the rules. So, how long have you been involved in in improv? I've been doing improv since 2013, so that would be like four years. And I I perform pretty regularly. There have been times where I would perform like once a week. Like it's very easy to get stage time in Austin, which is great. When I think of improv, I think up until recently when I started seeing more long form improv at your shows well at your show but I I saw a few ahead of time also right I had always thought of improv as very game oriented yes but I know recently I asked you if I said well you have to like some games because you like improv games and you were like no no I don't I I have since (laughs) reversed that opinion (laughs) <laughs> oh, now I'm excited. Tell me, I guess, tell me about what an improv game is and then yeah. explain kind of your feelings about that. So improv, improv games is not, is not like uh whose line is it anyway? Cause that's more like short form. I'm thinking more of a warmups because before a show or whatever, you do a warmup um, and you play, What's an example of a a warm up that you might do before an improv show, like a warm up? Sure, game? there's a there's a game called uh, Whoosh Bang Pow, in which it's hard to describe this verbally, <laughs> but it's basically we're we're in a circle, a bunch of people are in a circle, and um, you will whoosh you'll eat each person will say whoosh and pass the whoosh to the next person but you can always bang if you say bang then you're not taking the whoosh and the whoosh has to reverse um and then pow is where you have the whoosh and you send it to another person. And I swear it makes sense when you do it, but it's no, weird I'm, to... I'm, I'm visualizing it. Yeah. It's good. So it like will bounce. I'm oddly imagining the whoosh is like a a ball of light, which I realize is not yes. what a whoosh is. No, but yeah. Mind, it's and it like... like until someone like slams their hand down and then it bounces off and goes back yeah, around until that's okay. correct. I got or it. Another one is a bibbity bibbity bop, which I feel like is kind of a common game that like you would do in theater settings. Have you played that? Mm-mm, I am shamefully 
uninitiated into the art of of theater <laughs> sure yeah so it's um it's a game everybody's in a circle again and you basically there's a person in the middle saying bibbity bibbity bop to other people standing in the outside of the circle and you have until i finish the words bibbity bibbity bop to say bop if you say bop then you're safe but if you say bop after i say bibbity bibbity bop then you have to be in the circle this game is one that rewards mischief because you you don't have to say bibbity bibbity bop you can always say bop in which case you can't say anything because i'm not saying bibbity bibbity bop like the person in the middle will say something that is not bibbity bibbity bop just to like throw you off or you'll the they can make you be a hot dog you can they'll like say do your impression <laughs> of a hot dog right now meanwhile everyone on the outside of the circle are trying to switch places so you'll make eye contact with somebody and you'll try to like run to their place so there's like people moving around this is a game i'm terrible at this game because i i cannot say bibbity bibbity bop very quickly so i i'm always <laughs> in the middle of the circle like for way too long i'm i'm awful at, at it well, we've come full circle to you being terrible at games. It's true, yes. <laughs> but as far as improv games go, like I used to hate them, but I now realize that they exist to get you out of your head and kind of get you in the kind of get you in the mode for a show. Like these warm-ups are are designed to get you like in a in a mood to do a show or whatever you're what's doing. The, what's the mood that improv... Is it artists? Troopers? What's the... Improvisers? I guess what's the mood improvisers usually want to be in prior to an improv show? Just yeah. not in your head at all. Not thinking of... You know, not thinking of anything but the present moment is the state that you're trying to get into as an improv person. That's why eye contact is very important with improv. Yeah, like it's just anything to keep you in the present moment and kind of get your brain out of thinking of like social norms, you know? embracing embracement is that a is that a word embracement of failure just like getting into that state just complete in the momentness what is it about improv and improv games specific well not specifically but in in addition to improv games that makes it easier or more comfortable for you to embrace failure as compared to feeling kind of off-put about games outside of improv just because when when you do improv like your first day you become indoctrinated into the failure bow which is you have permission anytime like you fail to do something or you do something wrong 
you bow and say, I failed, and then everybody in your class applauds wildly. <laughs> so, and I mean, like, it's it's a cool feeling. Like, you wish you could do that, like, everywhere else in your life. And that, that I think, is the reason why people are drawn to improv is because... I guess like less judgment and it encourages it encourages failure like you're like it's okay to have a bad scene or a bad show like I feel like the the idea of embracing failure is not a a theme that video games have tapped adequately or at all well when you fail at a game you die like if you (laughs) if you don't beat you don't die in improv if you fail (laughs) no like if you you know you can you get killed in grand theft auto you're you're dead or you get arrested or whatever i mean (laughs) yeah i'm thinking even even board games and tabletop games which are a little, I think, more fluid about rules because since it's not programmed, you can kind right. of alter them if you see fit. But even they, when you fail a tabletop game, it's it's the end of the game. Yep. Whereas I feel like with improv, when you fail, you you keep going. Like there's not a, you don't stop the game, the fun, whatever you're doing yeah. because there was a failure that happened. Oh, you know what is when you're in improv, a concept called finding the game in a scene exists. So oh, you're supposed what to is that? you're supposed to find games like when you're in a scene. So like there's a there's a type of improv scene called the hat game, and it's basically one you're basically trying to take. I believe it's two people and it's either one of them is wearing a hat or both of them are wearing hats and the goal is to do a scene and you're trying to get the other person's hat. Whoever gets the hat wins. (laughs) Or Or like finding the game in another sense is like I don't know if we're doing a scene where we're at a park and there's like a dog or something. A good game for a situation like that would be like bird counting or talking to the dog. I don't know. That didn't that didn't make any sense. That didn't go anywhere. Like it's No, I, I'm with it. Are these games that are happening within the long form yes. kind of narrative that's happening? Yeah. So just... like you would you would have a scene that was set often with audience participation, of course. And then the actors within that scene would be playing like a secret game between themselves. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what makes it fun. Like you I wish I was better at explaining this, but but yeah, you're you find the game within the improv scene and you you heighten it using that game. So in other words, you find you use the game to kind of fuel the scene. I'll try That's to so funny. F- find a better way of explaining this, and you can put it in the show notes. <laughs> I love the idea. So I'm assuming these mini, I'm going to call them mini games. Right. Within the larger improv thing that's happening. These sure. are not communicated to the audience, of course. So the no. audience's humor is when 
And I'm realizing now all the improv I've ever seen, but the humor sometimes comes from when you recognize these unspoken rules that these improv artists are kind of operating with. That's like you realize that they're trying to steal each other's hat, that's even though right. they're, they're invisible hats or whatever. That's like, correct. Yes. Yeah. And like, if you're doing a scene, like you could do the hat game and just a normal scene where the game is like you're trying to steal each other's hat. Or um, another example of like a kind of game type um, scene is uh, the alphabet game. And it's basically every line, you start with a letter, every line has to start with the next letter. So if I'm like, boy, it's hot outside, you have to say your line has to begin with a C and we just go throughout the whole alphabet. So I've seen that one described where the rules were described to the audience. Yes. Is it ever something where like, you'll try to do that within a longer form thing and not explain the rules to anyone and just kind of yes. notice when another improv actor starts doing it? Yeah, yeah, or... I get. I guess another example of this would be um, in a rehearsal with my my troupe, things we don't speak of, which is a musical troupe. We were rhyming everything, like it just organically happened that we were just rhyming everything, every every line rhymed, and that drove the scene, and it just it added some level of heightening to like make the scene even bigger than where it started to like kind of make it more of a dynamic piece yeah i love i love this idea i'm thinking of actually lisa talking about the rules of games teaching communication and i'm realizing that improv in these mini games is also using rules to communicate but they're kind of absurdist rules like rules that wouldn't exist in regular day-to-day life that's right and kind of you're not actually telling anyone the rules so you're just waiting for someone to either start a rule or continue a rule that you're trying to get them to do maybe it's almost accidentally collectively make (laughs) your own rules as a community I think I could compare it to, like, if we're talking, which we're doing right now, but, like, it, um, <laughs> it's so no, mad. like, when you're, when you're, like, really connected to, to somebody, like, a scene partner or a friend or whoever, you know, and, like, jokes develop and it just becomes fun, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and that's like where you had to be there type stuff emerges from, which is what improv is. Because like once the show is done, then it's done and you can't, it could be the funniest show in the world and you cannot explain it to anybody like you had to be there, which is, you know, like if, I, if I'm like, oh my God, I saw this show yesterday and the actors were trying to steal each other's hat. It was it was the funniest <laughs> shit ever. If you weren't there, you don't you won't understand, you know. So it's all it's all these things that are developing in the moment that won't really carry forward. Yeah, and I think that's so 
that that's key to play i think games in general like on i think episode three ooh, it's down in the show notes everyone but in episode three when i talked to dr grieve he talked about kind of the the immediacy of a gaming experience and how once you leave that gaming experience you can't communicate the experience fully like you can describe it but it's not it doesn't carry with it the same weight or excitement or humor or feeling as if you were there so it's interesting to hear that improv which yeah is not necessarily a predefined game kind of has that same experience of if if you were not there everything else is like a cheap knockoff right of, of the experience um what was i gonna say oh yeah have you seen maestro because that that is a competitive format where you do get eliminated uh no is that an improv thing actually that's interesting so maestro it's an improv competition where if you fail you don't get to continue (laughs) right yeah i guess we were just talking about how amazing improv was because you could (laughs) fail and now we're like except if you do this form of improv right so it's a form that was developed by a man named keith johnstone who is kind of like at the hideout theater in austin he's the like who all their teachings are are based on keith johnstone the teachings of Keith Johnstone. Yes, he was like a improv. Or it is. sounds very religious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Tell improv. The book of Keith. Improv is kind of a cult, pretty much. <laughs> like once you get into it, it's very similar to Scientology because you just keep giving money and <laughs> obtaining new levels you know and are there as many aliens as there are yes in scenes good to know so so keith johnstone the teaching the book of keith yes the book of keith well he created this format called maestro and it's they tell you it's not a competition it's a show about a competition because basically what it is is um i believe it's like 13 players 12 or 13 players and this happens every week at the hideout theater every saturday night but it's 12 or 13 players and you do scenes with each other and the scenes are rated based on audience applause so it's a scale of one to five. And so if you do a scene with four people and it gets a five, then everybody gets five points. And so really, like, you're not competing. You're not competing against each other. You're competing with each other because you're trying to have good scenes so it's like a cooperative competition. Right, yeah. Because you're cooperating with each other to beat other teams, but the teams can shift throughout right. the competition. Like, you want to win, like, for sure. Um, but, I mean, you're you're trying to give a good scene to the audience because if, if you don't give a good scene, you get a one. You get, like, a low score. So the better the scene, the more points. I know we've talked about you disliking failure in a game sense outside of improv do you enjoy 
the maestro game where failure is more yeah i love maestro a lot of people so you do like that one too yeah a lot of people in austin improv dislike it because of the like you could get out thing or because there are some people describe it as like a popularity contest because you know like the audience will vote for the people they like the most you know like some Mm -hmm. some yeah um like regardless of how funny they are in that moment yeah yeah like no matter what i've seen like people you know like the audience just really loves like one one person um and so they'll like rate those scenes higher with that with that person um so yeah it can't it can be kind of a popularity contest. I like the game because because of the whole like you need to do like good scenes in order to in order to get a higher score. I feel like it's kind of a sk- different skill to play that game and I feel like I've got like it's kind of a stronger skill for me to do that game um if that makes sense like it does so i'm discovering that i enjoy games are you gonna fire me from the (laughs) podcast but in general i'm more into like narrative improv which is uh kind of the specialty of austin improv is a lot of narrative improv going on so do you think maybe you're adjusting your changing attitudes toward games is the result of getting more involved in improv and that kind of like playful pro failure state of mind? Or is it just like your state of mind has been shifting since you were 10? Oh, yeah. I kind of hope your state of mind has been <laughs> shifting since you were 10. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, right. broader. like, what do you think? What are the factors that are starting to change your impression and opinion of of games and maybe video games specifically yeah i think it i have kind of um embraced play more um because of improv and and as far as video games specifically it's really been since machinarium that i have kind of been thinking of games as like art there this is gonna be can, can i go on a tangent the you know what i i would love if you went on a tangent okay roger roger ebert um in like the mid 2000s caused an uproar because he said that video games were not art which i believe he later retracted his opinion but he pissed off a lot of people by saying video games were not art. And the reason why is because he said that nothing interactive could be art. Oh. Yeah. Is, is your opinion... I, I I assume different. Yes, yeah, it's it's different from that. <laughs> but I I found I found that interesting because I do feel like there is a lot of hatred for video games, which I I honestly don't share that. And I do believe that interactive experiences can, in fact, be art. 
But again, I've established that everything is art. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking of all of the performance pieces I've read or seen about in my lifetime, from the comical to the pretty gruesome one with, like, the woman who she was blindfolded. Do you remember this? It's kind of scary. But she was blindfolded and she had all these things around her that people could use to interact with her body, ranging from, like, a feather to, like, a, a pair of scissors. And it, it got pretty gruesome fairly it fast. It sounds a is... little familiar. Yeah, uh, but that that has been a step. Like, performance art, which involves audience participation, has been yes. considered games. And technically, the Supreme Court has determined that video games are art and are therefore protected under the clauses of art in terms of protecting i guess artistic freedom yeah i think is a thing that has happened but i i understand that some people don't want to call video games art and that's because i think the perception of art which i i like your perception it's very broad but i know a lot of people consider art and have this idea of art as being this very separate hard to understand hard to access very bougie i'll use bourgeoisie um, wealthy yeah. kind of pastime and so it's this interesting play between people wanting to keep video games like of the people like yeah. a leisure pastime with the desire to have them be appreciated and protected as valuable and i think that the word art is often the the default word we use for when we want to consider something that was designed as beautiful and full of meaning and therefore worthy of discussion and respect and all of that stuff anyway that's my understanding of kind of the two poles of the argument about video games being art or not art and i think people like that 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 butthead it is this desire to like keep things that are like of the people um far away from oh yeah from what art is i don't know if that was the intention but people wanting art to be separate from real life versus art as part of real life yeah. Well, I think he was saying, like, you're not experiencing somebody's, like, intentions or whatever when you're playing a video game. I'll I'll find the direct thing that he wrote, because I might be butchering what he said, but... No, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I, I think that, man, I have so many disagreements with that, because right. I think there's all sorts of stuff where your perception of a thing is impacted by the person looking or reading it. Right. So like when you read a book, the reader of the book is putting their own understanding of words and situations and humans right. onto the intention of the the author. So I don't know why yeah, other things you're like in another person's head or other people's heads. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you oh yes i never does, i feel so special does does the fan base of video games sometimes turn you off video games so like stuff like the gamergate and just like how much misogyny and racism there is and because like if you're because that was something that turned me off and continues to turn me off of video games. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're asking the question because part of the reason that you're 
reticent about wanting to <laughs> immerse yourself yeah. in video games is because of the community surrounding it. Right, yeah, because when you're, you know, you're on, like, Xbox Live or whatever and people just say terrible things, you know. They or do. just the they whole Gamergate thing was just she- just a terrible, terrible thing that happened, I thought. Yeah, my... My short answer is yes. It is something that I struggle with. I, I've, Me and Kyle talked about this in the episode very briefly, um, gaming alone, because I, I often preferred to game in isolation, which is right. very different from most gaming research, which says that gaming is a very social activity. And I, I, do, not, I do not enjoy the socialness of games um, for the most part. And some of that is because of of the community. It's not all because of the community, but some of it is because there there's often a sense of apprehension or fear. I think that Nora in um, The Pleasures of Backseat Gaming talked to about not wanting to play video games in front of of men, especially because of the fear that they would use her being bad at video games to like paint with broad strokes that all women were bad at video games and she didn't right. want to hurt her her fellow women. What <laughs> like was her that. name? You said Nora? Uh, Nora. Yeah, she's my, my roommate. Oh, okay. In, yeah, we talked about in the episode seven, Pleasures of Backseat Gaming. It was another brief one. I think unlike, unlike improv, which has, I think, spent a very long time intentionally building communities of support in the midst of failure and supporting people who maybe aren't very skilled and of course i'm projecting this idealized vision of improv i realize the real life (laughs) version of improv maybe has some politics behind it oh for sure i I don't i don't know if the video game community at large um feels that and nothing's homogenous of course there's gamers who are very supportive of of failure and learning and bad skill yeah. and liking things that you don't like or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, I don't use the word gamer as an identity. Like it's not in my top five. Right. I would say. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty low down. Yeah. And you and this podcast have kind of been a way of turning the tide for me in kind of seeing how, the gaming community can in fact be a more positive thing it is i see i see a lot of people doing incredibly positive community building things with games and as much as i can highlight it i'm going to and to be fair the people that i see doing a lot of some of the heavy lifting of building a nicer and more diverse and interesting and open community are the people who don't identify themselves as gamers right Um, this is not to say for all of you people who do identify as gamers who are listening to this podcast i'm sure you are wonderful and i welcome you with open arms but for me in my day-to-day life the the people who are are saying things that are really impacting the way i i perceive play and the way i perceive games are people who uh, when pressured do not use the word gamer although they they do play games. Yeah, I mean, every person who's come on this podcast who says, like, oh, like, I don't like playing video games or I'm not a gamer, when asked, they've all played games. 
right. many of them play games regularly. So it's pretty humorous to me that there's kind of this this divide between people who play games versus people who identify as gamers. And I, I don't know what that is yet, and I'm excited to to explore that more in the future. Right. But thank you for your nice things about affecting your opinion about games. I, I should say that that is not my intention. <laughs> I'm not here to convince you, like some weird cult, like join yeah, us, yeah. <laughs> join the gamers. But it's thank you. That means a lot. I yeah, definitely want to play Cuphead. My the other <laughs> we will thing... play it together, and then you will come back on this podcast, and we will right. talk about surrealist video games right. and 1950s cartoons. I look, I look forward to hearing about your your gaming adventures in the future as you you For open sure. yourself up to the the allure of button mashing uh, yeah <laughs> i'm gonna mash those buttons um, <laughs> and on that i think i'm gonna take us out mostly because we ended on jeremy saying nice things about me and i feel like i i need to quit while i'm <laughs> sure quit while i'm ahead um so for all of you listeners thank you so much for tuning in uh if you enjoyed this tell a friend especially one that does improv because i'm sure they'd be just tickled pink to hear about improv on a gaming podcast i'd love to hear from people about either people who've witnessed improv or have participated in improv the relationships you see between improv and gaming and you can do the the simple one like improv games but feel free get deep with it get real abstract i'm i'm into it all and if you could like and subscribe to our podcast it makes a huge difference gaming broadcast you can find us on itunes podbean stitcher google music um any podcast aggregator that you have i think can find it so hit it up leave some comments you can also subscribe to our newsletter you can do that on my website gamingbroadly.com down there on the bottom left and Thanks so much, and I look forward to to talking with you all next time. And, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. See you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.